When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night You play Thursday cause you're... Hello everyone and welcome back to Oh, What a Night uh, You're probably noticing again that yes, Ben Haynes is still on holiday um, What can we say? The man is just a lazy guy I think everyone knows that Terrible work ethic no, of course I'm joking. He's probably the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. The uh, holidays a good thing for him. Um, anyway, today we've got Jude, Sean and Dan Kilpatrick on the pod to talk about all things Tottenham. Uh, big win against Wolves yesterday, really hard-fought win. And also uh, a loss last week that we're not going to spend too much time on because when you ask for the kids and you get the kids, that's what the kids do, basically. Anyway, so we'll start, we'll start with yesterday. Jude... Did you did you enjoy it yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I couldn't really take my eyes off it. It was very frantic, and um, it was a really entertaining game. I think Spurs did did fine. I don't think it was one for massively hot takes here or there. I thought they were, you know, good enough and just about got the win in. So no complaints really on that. <laughs> Sean, how about you? Was that did you? Did you? I saw you tweeted that you didn't feel there was much jeopardy going on, but is that just a, a personal, personal opinion? Uh, a little bit. I think there was more the case in the first half, and then after the break, uh, there was a couple of times where they broke in behind. I was a bit okay. Okay, we are actually in a bit of trouble here. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it might just be outcome bias again. It, I didn't feel it was a massive, massive problem. I think maybe in hindsight, when you kind of look at the stats and they had. 20-something shots and I don't think they're going to be a top-half team this season and it's not like they blew everyone away offensively last year anyway I don't think this is not necessarily a good sign so you know but I've, I've said I said like last week I said before you know it's been a couple of months I'm not gonna hold a lot of stock in our deficiencies after one two three games I'm gonna wait for more 12, 13, 14 when we're in like November and December and stuff. It also feels like there's a there could be a fair amount of movement in the market still with a couple of weeks left, right? As if there's mm, gonna be yeah. a couple of triggers mm. and it's all just gonna sort of go wild. Um Dan, you you went to the game. How was it? How was the atmosphere? The atmosphere was very good. Yeah. Mm. I enjoyed the atmosphere a lot. I think the Wolves fans were decent. There was a really good element of panto, especially when Harry Kane came on. There was like <laughs> a good three or four minutes of solid kind of back and forth. <laughs> Uh, so that was really entertaining, and generally, I thought they, you know, they were a good crowd even in defeat. You know, they they seemed to appreciate their kind of team's effort at the end, which I think was was fair enough given the way they played. It didn't really feel like they deserved to lose that game. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a decent occasion, and I think yeah, echo what the other lads say. Really, I think at this point of the season, it it feels like results are more important than performances. Um, I think there were a few kind of worrying elements of the game, which we'll come on to stylistically and perhaps in terms of defensive lapses or all too familiar defensive, lap- defensive lapses, I think we have to say now. Um, mm. But on the whole, you know, you, you can't argue with another kind of ground out 1-0 win at this point of the, the kind of Nuno project. Mm. Yeah, so let's let's start. For those who haven't listened before, we go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful from the last week of Tottenham. So we'll start with the good. We're also going to do some transfer talk at the end. Don't worry if that's if that's what you're here for. Um, we'll start with the good. 
And it's another clean sheet. And it was a big day for Hugo Lloris, um, now the, the club's highest appearance maker. Um, Jude, were you, were you impressed with him yesterday? Or do you believe, like Nuno said, he just did his job? <laughs> well, they're all just doing their jobs, right? I mean, they're professional football and they were footballers and they were playing professional football. So if that's where if that's where that ends, we shouldn't we shouldn't give any players criticism or or praise. Um no, he was he was he was really good again. Um I think he made a maybe five or six saves, including one which um which kept Spurs ahead from Triore, who we'll get to in a bit, I'm sure. Um and yeah, to, to clock up 300 games in the Premier League for Spurs is a, is a massive, massive accomplishment. And I feel he goes it's almost almost under the radar, and yet gets a little bit of unwarranted criticism from from Spurs fans. But he's been he has been really good for what well, this is about his ninth or ten tenth year at the club, isn't it? So, um, so it's been that good for that amount of time, and to clock up that many appearances, um, being pretty professional for for most of his stint at Spurs. Is, is a wonderful achievement and he deserves a, a lot of praise far mm. and wide. But yeah, he was great again yesterday. Okay, so very quick break of proceedings here to tell you that we, the Oh What A Night podcast team, are now brought to you in association with Manscaped, helping you to keep all things down south nice and well pruned with Manscaped's new lawnmower 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and keep your delicates in good nick by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min20. He, um, I, I think you, I think what you said about being unfairly criticised is, is quite true. I think there is a bit of a perception that he, he constantly makes mistakes where it's usually, he's made, he has made mistakes in high-profile games, but it isn't as, as frequent as it once was, I don't think. Another thing he gets criticised for a lot is kicking with his feet or on the ground. But yesterday, his kicking from his hands was brilliant, Dan, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think it was pretty good against Man City as well. And if I remember rightly, there were also some kind of kicks of his that Spurs clipped up and put on social media from pre-season that were kind of quite impressive. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the strongest part of his game. Um, you know, we've known that for, for some time. But I think, you know, that his kicking has almost been kind of unfairly put in contrast to kind of Edison and Allison's, I think, since they've come to the Premier League. You know, it's not like he's he's terrible at it. He's just not this kind of amazing um, ball player like they are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, to, to echo what Jude said, really, I mean, he, he gets a lot of stick um, from time to time, but he's obviously been a net positive for Spurs on the pitch um, over the years. And, you know, clearly he has in the dressing room as well because, you know, successive managers just seem to love him. Um, mm. We know how much Pochettino loved him. It didn't seem to change at all under Mourinho. Um, and, you know, there, there's been no real suggestion that, that Nuno doesn't feel the same. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if this is to be his last season, which which does feel increasingly likely, I think, you know, it's just about kind of, you know, in, enjoying him and, and kind of... Uh, yeah, sort of celebrating him really because I think he he has been a, a great servant to the club. Um, mm. You know, the, the least banterful um, <laughs> man uh, <laughs> we've perhaps ever had, but nonetheless one of the better ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as Dan sort of said, the, 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 there were some some glaring errors yesterday. This good section. So we're going to look at someone who who did have a decent game yesterday and had a good game against Man City and seems to be growing into his role a little bit more. Which is Sergio Sergio Regulon. Was he uh, did he impress you yesterday, Sean? Yeah, I think on the whole he did. There was a couple of hairy moments from like the fifty-five to sixty-five minute mark where I don't think anyone impressed me and everyone kind of looked a bit hairy on and off the ball, but. He seems to be, he seems to be growing in confidence again. I think there was a bit towards the end of last season where he was just shying away a lot of the time. Like I think he unconsciously or consciously that I don't know. He just didn't seem like he was confident enough on the ball. He didn't seem confident enough defending, and he made a lot of sloppy errors. But now he seems like he's 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 learning to enjoy again. I think for our goal, it came from him, him running forward, winning the ball higher up. And I think that's really important, especially if we're going to have Tangang on the other side who won't really go forward as much, kind of 
it feels like we're back with that Aurea high right back kind of tactic again, <laughs> but uh, maybe a little bit more competence. So mm. I, I like I like him as a person. Like he seems to get on really well with everyone. He seems quite sociable with the other players on the team. Like mm. it, it's I think there's the picture of Delhi celebrating yesterday when it was him, it was Son, Regulon, and Hoiberg. I think. And it was just like, I, I really like these guys now. Like, there was definitely a period last season where I just looked at everyone on the team and was like, I hate all of you. So, <laughs> we're, go, we're going in the right direction again. Yeah, that was, it was beautiful. That photo of everyone celebrating was really beautiful. And there was a moment from Regulon, I think it must have been in the last sort of minute, minute and a half, where he, he sort of, he won the, won the ball or intercepted the ball and then ran on to his own interception and then took a challenge from, what I think it was Cody. And I just thought, in that moment, I was like, "That this team looks a little bit fitter. And they're going right to the last, which, I mean, in the last 10 minutes of games last year, we were really, really struggling. I mean, we, we know how many goals we conceded late on in games. Jude, was it something that you, you noticed yesterday that Spurs, Spurs looked visibly fitter or sharper? Yeah, I think it's it's easier for, for us to notice that, contrasting it with last year, because because of all those goals they conceded in the final 20 or 15 where they just had run out of puff and um, it wasn't something that Mourinho was was big on, you know, making his team the fittest in the land, but it is, it is just something that you, you have to do and you have to make your players ready to, to go all the way for 90 minutes. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was much better from a fitness perspective. And um, when you've, when you've got players like uh, Bergvine who can, get the ball and travel up the pitch a little bit more at the at the end of the game and just run down the clock a little bit. It's, it's really good. Um, and just on Regulon as well, um, he, seems, he has like a really good eye for an interception as well, which I don't think I really saw too much of last season. But whenever like Wolves tried to switch the play and get out Spurs down the left, he seemed to just have like his eyes up really aware and would just sort of latch onto the ball and collect it. And that was... It seemed like it, it seems like it could be quite a good outlet for like a counter-attacking Spurs in the future. I'm not really sure mm. how well it's done recently, but but uh yeah, he's uh he seems to just pick off passes like that, which is really, really positive. Yeah, I just want to pick up on something you said there. In, in Stephen Bergvine and Deli Alley, both two players who look like they're really um they're really helped by by having a little bit more fitness and a little bit more sharpness. And it's something they've worked on all summer, right, Dan? They, they, they've they been putting in extra sessions. Yeah, I mean, the fitness thing is interesting because it's one of the first things that Paratici kind of mentioned in his first interview. If you remember, Spurs did some media with him when he came to the club on July the 1st or whatever it was. And he talks about... Nuno and he talks about the belief that Nuno can kind of adapt and, and play a bit more front foot, which is obviously quite an important PR message the club wanted to put out there. But then he also talked about getting the side fit and, and that being something Nuno would do. So it was it was obvious that um that the club were aware that it was a huge problem under Mourinho. And and I think anecdotally, I think Mason was pretty appalled by kind of how fit the squad were when, when he Kind of stepped up to, to take over for, the, from the, for those last eight games. So, yeah, it was definitely something um, everyone was wanted to work on. In terms of Bergvine and, and Delhi, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, that they they were obviously among the players that that missed the Euros, and and that looks like it's going to be a net positive for Spurs because you know they they were back at the start of preseason. Um, they've been working with Nuno from the very start. Um, and, you know, De- Delhi's running has already kind of been highlighted by Nuno. You know, he said after the City game, he's, he can run box to box and that's something we need to take advantage of. Um, so it looks like yeah, Spurs are, are kind of using him for his engine, um, you know, as much as anything else. That was always there under Pochettino, but that wasn't the side of the game that, you know, his game that was really highlighted. But I think, you know, that, that seems to be, you know, the, the sort of cornerstone of the new Delhi, as it were, at least for the time being. Mm. And do you do you like him in this new sort of deeper role? I, I was quite quite impressed with how he's sort of snapping into tackles yesterday, sort of w- winning the ball off people who probably don't expect him to be to be doing that. That was never really what he was in the team to do before. Yeah, like he, he caught my eye doing it yesterday. Like he really did. There were a couple of times where he kind of snuck up on a Wolves player, almost just kind of came through them from behind, and, and mm. sort of ended up walking away with the ball. Um, and there was even one moment 
when we when Spurs were really under the cosh in the first half, where he kind of threw himself in front of a Raul Jimenez shot, you know, like literally, you know, a, a lunging block. So he was really kind of putting himself about. So it did feel like quite a different Delhi. Um, I loved the old Delhi, like his ability to get in the box and and find space with those kind of sharp movements was so good and such a big weapon um that it would be a shame if if we saw less of that but then yesterday you know obviously the nice thing was that he did that for for winning the penalty you know he was a dart into the box onto Regulon's pass so yes I, I like the idea of you know this this new Delhi and and Nuno kind of you know using him differently is fine but it would be a shame if you know, every game was like City where he didn't have a touch in the City box, you know. Mm. It, I, I want to see him, I want to see him as a, an attacking threat still. If he's going to play in that midfield role, you know, I'd still hope, you know, he would be getting sort of eight to 10 goals a season. Maybe not the 17 he got when he was more advanced, but I think it would be a shame if, if that went entirely. Mm. I think part of that is it comes down to does Spurs have a player who can find Deli Alley? Do you know what I mean? It, it, it always yeah. or regularly was someone like Christian Eriksen who, mm. who loved looking for Deli Alley's runs into the area. And I just want to, obviously Harry Kane has the ability to do that, but I don't think many other Spurs players do at the moment. Um, I might be wrong. They could be, they could be. I, Skip, think, that's, could, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Skip that's could be point. the guy. Skip could be the guy. Anyway, look, we've done plenty on the, um, oh no, look, we'll do one more. Harry Kane um, came on, got a, Fantastic reception from the um, from the Spurs away fans. I think what you can also get you can get wrapped up in how Twitter views Harry Kane a lot of the time. Um, but it, it seems like the general consensus is he's our player. He, he plays for the club, and whatever if he's going to be here, then we just have to move on and get over it. Um, Sean, was that was that? How did you feel seeing him come on the pitch? It felt weird more than anything, like kind of half expected not to see him until after the international break or after the transfer window closed or whatever. Obviously, we saw the clips before kickoff of him getting off the coach and the Wolves fans were booing for some reason. But it was like Nuno said after the match, like we need, if he's going to be here, we need him to be committed and we need everyone to be together. We need, that comes from the fans as well. Like if he got booed on or whatever, if he got booed when he he had a touch, then it's just just not going to solve anything. Anything. like we can all we can obviously like harbor this resentment for him in that what he's tried to do to try and get away but as long as he is here as long as he is playing for Spurs I want him to do good for Spurs that's the ultimate thing isn't it mm. yeah I think I think that that seems to be the consensus around a lot of fans I think that there's going to be a few people who, who feel scarred by this there's definitely people who, who still want him to leave the club but I, I just think it, it all feels a little bit reactionary to me. He's still one of, one of the best players, best strikers in the world. Do we do we not need that at the club at the moment? Uh, <laughs> dude, dude, is that how you feel? Yeah, I, I think so. And like, but, but yeah, there will be people who feel their their view on Kane has been uh, sort of tainted a little bit over these last few months. But you know what, like goals and assists and contributions are, are, are great healers. So mm. if he if he starts playing again and starts banging in goals and it helps Spurs to have a positive season, um, I think he'll win fans back quite quite quickly. I don't think it'll be just the the universal outpouring of love for him like there was before. Mm. Um because I I'm not we might be moving a little further away from, you know, this 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 Jesus Christ figure or uh, this one this one of our own um, sort of guy. Although it was it was chanted at him throughout the game, which was which was nice. But, it probably um, probably also helps that he came on and and just made us look much better quite quickly. Uh, the, the the way he links up play, we just don't have anyone else who can do that. Uh, the the only thing I, I was more annoyed about him was not finishing off Stevie B's fantastic bit of skill. That was it. Uh, <laughs> Really deserved a finish at the end of that, but um, we'll come on. We'll come to that, right? Okay, so we've done plenty on the good, um, but there were some there were some elements that were bad. Um, I, I want to start by talking about the sort of the midfield battle, where whether we meant to, whether we didn't mean to, we didn't seem to have much control at all, unless Wolves wanted us to have control. There were times when they stopped pressing, and we managed to sort of get our ball, get our foot on the ball, and skip and Hoybier 
Deli Ali managed to play it around quite nicely, but there never seemed to be a concerted period of time in which Spurs were in the Wolves' half, putting them under pressure like they were to us. Um, Dan, do you think that's just because of the lack of time uh, Nuno's had with this squad? Or do you feel like that that was a, a tactical shift that, that we'll see more often? Um, yeah, it's a tricky question. I mean, yeah, your, your assessment of it is right, I think. I mean, Spurs couldn't keep hold of the ball for long periods of the first half. It was just kind of coming straight back out. Um, and there was none of that sort of menace on the counter-attack that we saw against Man City. So the approach wasn't really working. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got pelters on, on Twitter for, for kind of saying that I thought Skip was OK. But, you know, a lot of people thought um, he was really pressed out of the game. I've, you know, I've noticed that. So you know, perhaps perhaps there was an element of that. You know, I think Adama um, was quite a big factor because he was just occupying players. You know, Hoybier and Skip both had to kind of quite frequently go over to the left and, and sort of help um, Tanganga by doubling up on him. And that obviously created a lot of space in the middle for... For Neves and it, it was Moutinho, wasn't it? Um, as well. So yeah, we know we'll, we know Wolves have got that that midfield too that that can you know a top technical players and know how to use the ball. And I, I and I think um, yeah that they, they they kind of had too much um, for long periods of that game. Um, yeah, I mean as I said at the top of the show, like I feel like. Um, at this stage, you know, grinding out a result is kind of more important than, than being really impressive. If, if 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 Sunday was a theme that continued, then it would, you know, as it, as happened under Mourinho, then it would start to get worrying. You know, you, you want to see Spurs you know, be more assertive and front foot than that in future. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I guess at, at this stage of, of kind of Nuno's reign, we, we can sort of forgive it. But, you know, certainly there's work to do and... I'm sure we'll come back to Ndombele at the end of the program, but <laughs> having somewhere someone like him in there who is just kind of press resistant, you know, would obviously have made a big difference. Um, mm. But you know, uh, he's he's not available at the moment, so you know, it was it was Skip and Hoiber who you know, he didn't have their, their their kind of best afternoons, but I hope, but equally, I didn't think you know were were as as dreadful as as some thought. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, we'll come on to Ndombele because it, it definitely was a big miss yesterday. I saw a few people sort of saying this was it looked like a different performance to um, to Mourinho performance, but I, I'm not so sure I agree with that. I think it looked very similar to lots of performances under Mourinho. I think the fitness is what Spurs got over the got Spurs over the line in the end. I, I also think there was some. Similar shaky defending going on, Sean, specifically from the central defensive area. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I can't really say that it's massive surprise to anyone. Like I know um, Dyer and Sanchez were good last week, but I think it's different when they're in a low block like that and compared to when, at least this week, it was more like we were trying to get out. It's just that we couldn't. I think Wolves did a good job in that. And a couple of hairy moments here and there, like when when I think Sanchez went to slide for a loose ball in the first half and Trari got round him. And then the second half, obviously, when Dyer stepped into midfield for whatever reason, lost the ball. They played it round and Adama thankfully missed the 1v1. But again, like I said earlier about Nuno's just going to have to figure this out eventually. I don't think Dyer and Sanchez is going to be the main centre-back partnership this season. We've got Romero missed out with like a niggling injury. I think he'll come in. We might even get another defender in for the end of the window. Roden's still got to come back. So I'm not too fussed about it. Like My main thing is, is about how it's good points on the board right now. Like I'm mm. not, I'm trying not to be too negative about the, the stuff that's happening on the pitch because I'm trying to be lenient. I don't want it to be miserable like it was under Mourinho. I don't want it to to be kind of viewed in that kind of vacuum. I don't because uh, it was so hard to kind of get yourself up for Mourinho. Whereas Nuno's actually a really likable guy. You can really feel the kind of positivity, and you want to get behind him. Mm. Bit of a baptism of fire for um, Jaffa Tanganga so far, Jude. Um, how do you think he he got on yesterday? 
I I think he did. I think he did okay. All mm. in all, he's probably about like a, a six or seven out of ten. I just it's just it, I think it's so difficult for any fullback to to properly restrain a player like Adama Traore because even if he doesn't have end product, his close control is really good and his dribbling is really good. So he's always going to have those moments in games where he just sort of leaves the fullback he's opposing in the dust and gets Wolves like close in on goal. So I think. It, it, it wasn't like a performance that I'd scream about from, you know, my rooftop like it was against City. Um, I think I thought it was fine again. And yeah, I, yeah, I just think he he was grand. Uh, yeah, like you say, we had we had Skip and Hoiberg sort of doubling over on his side at points mm. to just sort of neutralise that threat, which I think did help a fair bit. There was only like a few occasions when that got exploited a bit, when they pulled the ball back and had Neves taking shots from 30 yards and Usually he'd be quite happy with that, but it is Ruben Neves who seems to score like. Well, I don't know how many bangers he's scored recently. Actually, you might be. Yeah, he's gone off the, the boil. Yeah, he's gone off. <laughs> we were giving him every opportunity yesterday. To be fair, we gave him about thirty opportunities to get that right. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was one moment with Tanganga where he sort of did what he what he did to Raheem Sterling yesterday, where he got close to him and he really tried to show like the, the physicality that he has, and the Dharma just went bye. And just <laughs> his arm just went round him and went the other way, and I was like. I don't think that one's going to work this week, Jaffa. But again, I thought, like you say, I think he dealt with it as well as any fullback sort of can. Um, you just sort of have to hope that Dharma doesn't pull out a good uh, a good cross at the end of it. Um, okay, let's move on to the, the ugly because it's it, as as you guys have said, it's three points on the board. It's another clean sheet. We can't. We know that, that there are issues. Hopefully, they will be ironed out. Um, the big story this week is that Ndombele said he wants to leave the club. Um, and as Dan pointed out, uh, we could have really done with him yesterday. He, he's the exact sort of player that you need in a game where you're under pressure. Um, Dan, you're probably best placed to sort of explain the situation to this, mate. What, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I know a great deal more than, um, than you guys on this. I mean, mm. the Athletic did some kind of good reporting um, at the end of last week and said... Uh, Ndombele is asked to leave and that's why Nuno is not picking him. Um, on the same day at his presser, Nuno kind of confirmed that sort of cryptically and said basically it's not his job to persuade um, players to play for Tottenham. You know, it's to, he had this line where he said, it's not my job to persuade players, it's my job to prepare players to play for Tottenham, which I thought was, was quite a neat line, actually. Um, so, you know, that seems to be the situation. Um I mean, I, I suppose an interesting, you know, point to be made is that obviously we know Harry Kane's asked to leave Tottenham, and he is playing. Um, mm. I guess to address that, um, for for kind of fans of Ndombélé like ourselves, um, mm. it's quite easy to imagine Harry Kane being remaining kind of ultra professional in training, and perhaps Ndombélé not. And that's not to say I've heard anything, news aggregators, if you're listening. It's just to say <laughs> I'm trying to rationalise um, the situation, really. So I think, you know, until that is resolved or the window closes and, and basically Nuno feels that Ndombele is kind of committed to the project and committed to the team. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't expect we'll see him. So, you know, I, I think that it's fairly simple, really. I th- you know, I think he kind of sits out Pacos, which he can't play in anyway because he's not in the squad, and Watford. If you, and then perhaps if he's still at the club, you know, there's some kind of talks after the transfer window closes or Spurs find a way to do a very kind of difficult deal to, you know, get him off the books. And whether that's to kind of swap or a loan or a transfer or, or whatever it is, then I'm sure, you know, they will be looking at that now because I think, you know, even, even us on this podcast who, you know, have always been universally kind of behind him have probably run out of patience and, and sort of said you know it's it's time now for for him probably to move on um so yeah I, I guess you know those are the, the sort of two scenarios and I'm you know it's gonna kind of test Paratici's contact book and and sort of powers of of ingenuity to to resolve it mm. I'm gutted with this one well, I can't even pretend I'm absolutely gutted I've, I've thrown all of my eggs in the non-belly basket Thierry wants to go is just really gutting I think more than anything because honestly what what a player he looks like on his day and 
it's a shame that we're not even going to get to see him at all this season if it, if it goes the way that it does. So absolutely gutted on that one. Um, I guess it's probably worth us chatting a little bit about Pacos de Ferreira, Sean. Um, one people of the worst for... matches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> people ask for the kids. They got the kids. Uh, yep. And they they also got some really underwhelming first team performances as well. What, break, it, break it down for us, mate. Yep. Um, it did feel very kind of pre-season friendly-ish. Like, it felt like, you know, when there was like, when we'd go away for like the International Champions Cup or something, but it was like after a World Cup or a Euros and we didn't have any of our first team players available. We had like two senior players, in this case it was um, Winks and Lacelso, and then just an amalgamation of kids around them. It was, and it, the, it would just look horrible. Well, that's exactly what happened. Um, there mm. was no real kind of, there was nothing. There was no quality. I think that was really concerning on Winks and Lacelso's half. There was no quality there. There was no, it, was, it didn't look like there was a game plan. We didn't really threaten Pacos. I think they made the better chances. And I was having to watch it on a really kind of grainy stream with Chris Sutton and Alan Hutton on Premier Sports. And that wasn't ideal. And uh, it was, it, this is what happens. Like you play, you play a team like that when it's so rotated and so disjointed. And the, I, I come, do you think, and this isn't, I'm, I don't mean this like in a, the least rude way possible. Do you think Brian Hill knows a lot about Cameron Carvick is probably not. <laughs> like, I feel like that, that, you can, that, that's the kind of thing you could say that about any of those players in that team. It was, they just, it was thrown together. Like, and then I'm not saying that, look, I wouldn't have played a strong team that like, I would have played a, a similar team, but you play, you do that. You run the risk of getting turned over like that. And you've mentioned off air on Hunter that um, Pacos had lost Three 0 to Bovi so the, a few days before. I didn't realize yeah. that. So that kind of that kind of says just how bad that performance was, really. Mm. Yeah, no, that I totally agree. And I think the more concerning thing than the kids not turning up for me is those those first team players, like you mentioned, not showing their quality as being above that level. I think at any opportunity you can for Tottenham, if you're not in the first team, if you're not an automatic first team, you have to, have to, have to grab those opportunities by scruffing net. And uh, I know this is in the ugly, Jude, but I was quite impressed by Ryan Sessegnon. I do think that he ended up looking like the one player who who might actually create something. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, he he's, he's quite a, a sparky player when he gets the chance. I didn't see loads of the game on Thursday because I was... Um... I was doing bowling off my own. Um, bowling out. <laughs> probably probably to a similar standard actually to to what they to what I hear they put out on Thursday. Um but from from highlights here and there, yeah, Sessignon looked looked quite good. Um it's just those it's just those players not not delivering when they get the opportunity to. And um but like throwing them all into the same team as well. If like if say Sessignon got a chance in like the team that was playing against Wolves on Sunday or City before. You could probably imagine him doing better than, you know, he was from, from what I hear decent against Pacos, but you can imagine him doing even better with a, like the settled first team rather than people like you say, like Carter Vickers or like Brian Hill. This is just being chucked all into the same team that, you know, won't really have um, played that much together is, uh, mm. is always going to be tough for those lads. But yeah, Sessegnon is um is an interesting one this season because I think he was I think he was talking maybe a day or two ago about how he wants to stay at the club and properly um maybe establish himself, which is which is probably going to be tough because I think Regulon's got that got that left back spot quite uh quite firmly nailed down for the moment. But um yeah hopefully he's he's someone who who does stay around doesn't go out on loan and can get some good game time whether that's in the, the conference league or swapping in and out with Regulon. Um, Cause I don't think Spurs fans have really seen enough of him yet to no. make a proper judgment so far. There was um, what well, he scored at Bayern, which was pretty cool. I remember like a few seasons ago, yeah, it's like a, an awesome game. Shortly after that. Ah, oh, well, it all, <laughs> it all sort of came crashing down, didn't it? Um, yeah, I know. I think you're right though, especially to the point that you said about um, just throwing a team together. I think we saw it a lot in the Europa League last year that if you play the Spurs B team, you get the Spurs B team. And that was maybe the Spurs C team. 
So, and that is the lack of depth or at least the lack of identity that exists outside of the first team at the moment. I think that's something Nuno will have to fix is, you know, getting a bunch of players who all understand what the identity and what the style is again, um, which Spurs have lost in the last couple of years, let's be honest. Um, I think the big question is whether Nuno really cares though and whether the club really care. Um, I mean, how much do they want to be in the Conference League? I don't know. I asked this off air. Like, If, say, the Europa Conference League was like the Intertoto Cup and you had to apply to get into the, the Conference League and this was like the only round you had to get into, would you have applied for it? No. And I don't think the club would either. I, I think... No, yeah. That's what I, I think, the, you know, I, 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 I don't know, but I just can't imagine that the money is enough for Levy to be kind of pressuring, or not pressuring, for Levy to want to be in the competition for financial reasons, as obviously you would for the Europa League even, and, and certainly the Champions League. Um, you know, I, I just wonder whether there's an acceptance that this... You know, it's not going to be a net positive thing for Spurs season, um, and that it actually is is a bit of a drain. Um, mm. I mean, while it's embarrassing to go out to Pakosh, there's a pretty strong case that it's just generally embarrassing to be in it. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's yeah, I, I, I do. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a pretty similar team on Thursday, and then you know, should they? Should they, you know, get through? Then you know that continues for the group stage, and it's just a case of, you know, using these games to to kind of play young players, get senior players who aren't fit, you know, up to speed, and and little little more than that, really, which I think you know would be a would be a decent way to to use the group stage, frankly, because you know rem- remember no one qualifies for the group stage automatically, so actually, Pakosh aren't. You know, nearly the most kind of obscure team Spurs could face. It's not like yeah. the opponents are going to get better from now. Mm. Um, you know, it could be the kind of Maltese Cup winners and the, you know, Luxembourgian fifth place or side or you know whatever. So, mm. you know, it's I really question whether there's a kind of appetite for it. Yeah, no, I think it's a very uh, very fair questioning. Um, and the team that went out and the team that played would definitely support that maybe not the highest on the to-do list this year. Um, I, yeah, I have a feeling that we might, if we, what we might see is if we get through, similar teams go away and then a slightly stronger team back at back at Tottenham um, each time. But we'll see. We'll see if we go out on Thursday. We won't have to talk about it anymore. So there we go. Um, let's move on to the beautiful because there were a few beautiful moments yesterday. I want to start that... Uh, that Stephen Bergvine skill, um, which is, again, another very good example of what he is capable of. Um, that That is a moment that not many players on the pitch could do. Um, and uh, I, I just want to, I think he gets unf- a lot of unfair treatment from a lot of Spurs fans, Bergvine. He's, he's a young player, he's still sort of, he's still learning the game. And I think, I think you're seeing him sort of come out of his shell. I like that he spent the summer working out just because I think it definitely gives him an extra edge. And the fact that he was going uh, right the way yesterday sort of sort of <coughs> justifies his selection. And then also Harry Kane should have scored that chance, let's be honest. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean, you liked the moment with um, with Hoybier, didn't you? Sort of towards the end of the game. Yeah, he, he, when he did the nutmeg on one of the Wolves defenders to create a shot for himself, it was really... Every now and then, Hoiberg will do something on the ball because a lot of the time he's, you know, he's just the guy who kind of sweeps up. He's there to provide energy. He's there to be more of a leader. But then every now and then he'll do something really kind of neat on the ball, and you'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, okay." Mm. And that was definitely one of those moments. And if he'd scored that, I know I would have gone apeshit crazy. I would have started <laughs> running around the house or something. Like, I, was in, I was in pure agony yesterday because of my second COVID jab. I, I, would, have been, I would have run through that pain barrier. I enjoyed that moment, yes. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think you saw, you have seen, Oivier is not scared to get in those positions and he can definitely, he can definitely be in those positions comfortably. I think there's, you know, as well as he covers the back four, I think he is comfortable pushing up the pitch and I think he can definitely do it. There's definitely... There's no question there. 
Um, I want, Dan, I want you were you're probably best positioned to to talk about this, but the, the Spurs away fans yesterday they seem to be in in good good spirits at least. Um, can you just talk us through the the cane, the cane um, coming on and the Wolves fans going back and forth for a couple of minutes? I thought that was really funny. Yeah. So Kane got a great reception from the Spurs fans, which I think was not guaranteed. I think it's fair to say I was always kind of intrigued to see how the reaction would be after obviously the chanting at the City game. Um, but while he was kind of getting stripped off in the dugout, the, the one of our own chants started um, and he got, you know, from what I could see, albeit from the other side um, of the stadium from, from the away end, um, there, there was kind of universal applause when he came on. Um and pretty widespread booing from the Wolves fans as well, which I was <laughs> kind of mystified about. And then they started chanting, like, you're a greedy bastard or something. So I'm guessing they're <laughs> kind of unhappy that he wants to leave Spurs, which maybe we should, <laughs> we should be grateful for. I don't know. Like, was, was that, Were they kind of supporting Spurs? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it mystifies me a bit because the the Saka reaction you know, from the Spurs fans in the in the friendly and then the Brentford fans was very kind of heartwarming and it felt mm. like people recognising that he really put a shift in for England. You'd think like the England captain, who's pretty crucial to the Euros run, might get like a half decent reception you know, around the country. But I guess that's been completely overshadowed by you know, all the transfer stuff this summer. Um, so, yeah, there was a good kind of three or four minutes where the Wolves fans were, were just coming up with, with various ways to remind Spurs that Harry Kane wants to leave. Um, and and yeah. some of them were, were, were quite amusing. And it, you know, it did... Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously an element of chicken and egg, um, you know, to the amount of media coverage it's gotten. But, you know, it did, did make me think, you know, pe- people are interested in these kind of sagas. They, they do create a kind of... Um, you know, a backdrop and they do, you know, add to the the, the kind of drama and the, the sense of theatre. Um, mm. and, and it really did. Um, and every sort of touch Kane had, you felt like there was a, you know, a bit more of a, a buzz and it would have been really interesting had he scored that goal. I wish he'd scored that goal, you know, just <laughs> no, like I. celebrated. Yeah. You know, his celebration would have been really kind of minutely picked apart, wouldn't it, by yeah, Spurs yeah. fans on Twitter. <laughs> Everyone would have been... So interested to see if he was kind of more enthusiastic or less enthusiastic. They'd have found kind of comparable <laughs> goals from last season to sort of compare it. I would have um, done the whole pod on it, mate. This would the whole, yeah. the whole pod would been, <laughs> what was the celebration like? But I think you know the, the sort of the most important thing was the fact that he played and he you know he looked interested. He looked a bit rusty for me, but you know just the fact that he was booked for time wasting, which was kind of hilarious. You know, yeah. it shows that he was kind of you know in. in you know, he he was invested in in, in the three points, um, and I thought he was lively, if you know a little rusty, which is to be expected. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my kind mm. of feeling is it's it's not going to feel right, you know, while the window's open. Um, but you know, should he stay? I think once the windows kind of close and that, and that sort of sword of Damocles hanging over everyone is is kind of taken away, um, then it it will start to feel okay again pretty quickly I imagine mm. yep I, I think if he scores in the next game that's just the, the healing process start but we've got a big two weeks ahead of us because um, oh before we move on to transfer I just want to say one thing I think we can all universally agree with that in the beautiful is that new kit looks bloody good on that love team it. love it love it love so it good. yeah such a well drama. done well done Nike you've, you've new, nailed it you- Oh, ugh, pathetic. Trying to get what, more freebies. What do you want? Mate, you can <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you want freebies, Dan, you just have to text me, mate. You know no, what? I, I do I want freebies. Okay. Number. Expect a text. Um. <laughs> no. Okay. Fine. Okay. Um, right. On to transfers. There's a couple, of, a couple of bits of transfer business that have been linked today, actually. They've sort of come alive. One uh, young guy from Mets. Uh, I think he's Senegalese, I want to say. Uh, Pape Sarr, an 18-year-old central midfielder, sort of box-to-box. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. Dan, Dan, you, I saw you've written a piece about this. What, what's what's happening? Yeah, I don't know much about him either. Um, it was kind of reported toward the end of last week, um, and I just had it stood up this morning, really, that there's mm. kind of talks ongoing. Um, 
and they were kind of, kind of quite handily. There were some there were some quotes from the Mets president over the weekend saying that he thinks he's got a verbal agreement with Daniel Levy. Huge, sort of came. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, everyone made the same joke on Twitter. Uh, no more so, verbal yeah. agreements. <laughs> well, quite. Um, it sounds like, um, according to the Mets president and, and according to um, kind of reports from last week, that there's, you know, it could be a loan back kind of job, in which case I think Spurs are, are looking to do some sort of smart business for the future, which is, you know, absolutely fine by me. Um, mm. But I, it doesn't sound like he's a player that would, is going to kind of immediately. Uh, be uh, replacing Ndombele in the squad or, or whatever it might be. Mm. Did get man of the match over the weekend, I think. Am I right in that? Who were they playing? I saw that. Yeah, there you go. Maybe he is the, maybe he is the answer, Dan. Let's get our hopes up straight away, yeah. <laughs> I think get your hopes up as high as possible because they were playing Rems, who everyone knows about Rems. Yes, Camavinga. Like <laughs> he avoid Camavinga. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, and the other one, the man who tore us to shreds. Let's be honest; he, he he really, without really creating too much and missing one very vital chance. But Adama Traore, um, Sean, you've written about this this morning. I saw you got one of the aggregators came and had a go at you, so we'll let you we'll let you take all the beef on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm part of Tottenham tier Twitter now. I don't like it because they they don't rate me apparently. So, but yeah, what what I'd heard was um, it'll be a lo- it'll be a bit of forty mil as at the end of a loan with obligation to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see Sky contradicting this, but from what I would heard, that Wolves see that as acceptable because they're happy to move him on. He's got I think he's got two years left in his deal, and he's not going to sign another one. He's pushing for the move. Nuno wants the move. Paratici wants the move. It does seem like one on all sides that wants to be wants to be completed. I think I expect this to go through this week. Dan, is that the same same for you, mate? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there was as of this morning. You know, there, there's a, a slim amount of optimism at Wolves that you could sign a new deal like that's not considered completely dead but I don't think it's going to happen and I think that there's kind of they're very conscious of the fact that if he doesn't sign a new deal this summer then um, he'll have one year left next summer so you know they're they're kind of open to a to a bid in that respect um, 40 million seem you know at the end of a, a you know ne- at the end of a year loan would seem a bit high to me um, you know and I, I personally kind of just my opinion is i question spending that on him but um yeah i think you know there's there's always something to be said for buying a player that the manager knows and kind of loves and you know wants to work with um but my uh friend who supports spurs but lives in wolves tom who i used to do um another podcast with you know very very aptly tweeted me yesterday saying um you can kind of come out of Molyneux on a Saturday and speak to any fan and they'll say trial was an absolute nightmare this afternoon and you won't know, you know, who they support, which I think was very apt. (laughs) 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 I think that was kind of very true of of Sunday, wasn't it? Like Spurs fans were coming away from that saying, oh, he absolutely terrorised us. And Wolves fans were coming away saying he missed that that chance, you know, to to get us back in the game. Um, So, yeah. It would be, he'd certainly be a talking point, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Jude, is it, is it a play you'd like to see at Spurs for forty million pounds? Um, I think it. I think it will be fun. Mm-hmm. I think that that money could probably be better spent getting someone who can uh, create chances and um, keep Spurs' midfield ticking over a little a little better. Um, a part of me does think like. Uh, it, it might work a little better if he's got Kane and Son alongside him rather than like last season when he had um, Fabio Silva, which isn't a slight on Fabio Silva, but he's a very young young player and um, misses a few chances himself as well. So that mm. probably didn't help creativity uh, that much there. I think, I think I think it would be good fun. So yeah, you know, from if an outside like looking in, that would be like hilarious. Yeah, exactly. That's that's <laughs> the official. A little bit of chaos. Yeah, yeah. Look, 
I think we things haven't been chaotic Adama. enough at Spurs. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the full Adama experience yesterday, as Dan said, where he roasted us. But you know, the, the big chance. It's just whether he can sort of become a clinical finisher, which is apparently what Spurs would be looking to do with him. Um, we're not going to talk about Harry Kane transfer. We're not going to talk about outgoings because it's just boring. Um, so we're going to leave it there. And then we have got, I mean, obviously we've got the, the, the massive clash on Thursday that, that these guys are really excited about against uh, Pakistan Ferreira at home. Are you going, Dan? Have you decided no. I'm just not interested? Um, yeah, I'm genuinely not going. It's not, genuinely not. not I'm, go- I'm going, though. I'm going to have fun. It's a match in Europe, Dan. For goodness sake. It's I know. I've, I've, actually, I've actually got a wedding. Ah, so, okay. Of course. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm not too gutted. I'm missing it, if I'm honest. Okay, it's a well, famous night under the lights. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what, what happens on Thursday, and, and then we'll... We'll either be back on Friday or next Monday once we've played Watford. Um, but thanks for joining us. Make sure that you, you leave a five-star review. Get in touch on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. What we're going to do for the next episode is we're going to get your questions in before the transfer window ends on how you think Spurs have done, questions you have to us guys, and, and anything you'd like to know uh, generally. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll, we'll see you soon. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday cause you're... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.